0: This is part 4 of the love of God. We're going to go into Luke chapter 15. We're going to continue there. And what is constant and will never change is the love of God, which can only be found and fully experienced in Christ. This love is free to anyone who wants it. The only thing a person has to do is receive it. To the child of God, the love of God is what will sustain us. In the times we are living in. No matter what we are facing or going through. Nothing can separate us. From the love of God. And when you understand how much he loves you. You would understand what that's, when that scripture verse talk about nothing. When Paul said I like nothing separate me. Or separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And I'll give you a brief recap from last week. Uh, We were in Luke 15, where Jesus was teaching about the lost son. The youngest of two sons wanted his inheritance before his father was ready to release it. My focus in this story, in this parable, was mostly on the father's response. And not so much about the son, because the title of this series is The Love of God. And I want to show the heart of the father in the story that Jesus was relaying. The father, based on the request of his son, did not hesitate and divided up the estate to give the youngest son what he asked for. The son left home, spent it all, and unfortunately, a famine coincided the same time when he was running out of money. So that was a double whammy for him. And unfortunately also, nobody was willing to support him. So he got a job feeding pigs, which he couldn't even feed himself. He was so hungry and desperate, he was willing to eat the pig's food. But then he had an epiphany in a moment, and in a moment of desperation, he decided to return home to seek forgiveness and get employment as one of his father's servants, willing now to live under the rules of the house as a servant. So he left home arrogant, rebellious, and prideful. And return home humble. So the son had to go through the fire. And similarly God's love will let us go through the fire. Even though we are going through the fire. It doesn't mean he doesn't love us. And he will not keep us from the fire. Because sometimes it takes the fire. To bring us to our, our right mind. But in it all his love is still available. But we have to humble ourselves, repent and return to Him. And that is important. You could either keep fighting God in the fire and He lets you keep fighting. Or you can humble yourself, repent and return. The father on seeing his son, his son return, returning, he ran out to meet him. Because the father had a heart of compassion. And compassion defined as pity, concern for the misfortune of others. We see the heart of God. He saw his son returning and he ran out to meet him. Why? Because he knew something about his son. And he had a heart of compassion. Because he understood the hard knocks that his son had to go through. That is the only thing that will cause him to return home. That the son was at the end of his road. So that's God's heart. God had compassion on lost man and gave his son Jesus. He had compassion and he did something about it. He showed compassion. And that's the same thing that the, the father did when the son was returning. He had a feast. He put the, the ring on his hand. The sandals on his feet. The robe he put on him. The father lavished his love upon the son. The son didn't deserve it. As we didn't deserve it. God's love. But he, he expressed his love by sending his son. So that now we can have fellowship. That is compassion. The father didn't care about the son's condition. Only that he returned. The son repented and the father never held the past against his son. He was rejoicing because his son returned home changed, And that is the heart of God. Everyone who repents turn to God. God is, he rejoices. Why? Because now he can have fellowship. Now that son, that person is no longer an enemy to him. But now a son. That, and that's, that's, that's powerful. So we're going to continue in Luke 15 today. And we're going to continue with this story. And we're going to start at verse 25. And I want to show you something. <clears throat> which I already touched on. But I want to show you something. And let's start at verse 25 in Luke 15. Let me know when you're there please. Okay, this is uh, Jesus speaking. Verse 25. Now, his oldest son was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, What these things mean, mean meant And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed a fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed a fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right. We should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead. And is alive again. And was lost and is found. I'm going to stop there. Amazingly enough. If you, if you, you, from reading this you see the heart of God. You see the love of God. They said that in verse 25, the oldest son was in the field. And as he drew near and came to the house, he heard music and dancing. So the son was in the field. Nobody went out to get him. To tell him, hey, your brother is home. We're going to have a party. So he's out there toiling, working hard. Then he came home from the shift and it's like, what is going on in this house? There is music, dancing, a feast going on. How come nobody told me about this? I didn't know anything about this. So he in verse 26. So he called his servant and said what's going on? Then the servant told him. Your brother came home. Safe and sound. And your father is celebrating. He's throwing a party because your brother came home. And the son was angry. Verse 28. Understandably so. Wait a minute. I'm out there working hard. I always did what my father wanted. I didn't give my father a hard time. Always did what he wanted. And this knucklehead brother of mine. Left. Spent everything. Partied. He's home now. And you're giving a party for him. And and you you didn't have the guts to even come and tell me. You never even treated me like this. You never threw a party for me. So understand me. He's angry because... It seems like the father is re- rewarding bad behavior. Right? Seems like he's rewarding bad behavior. But the eldest son was indignant. indignant and, and it's understandable. But the father in verse 28 pleaded with him. And he answered and said. All these years father I've served you. And he, and he, he complained to the father about, about how he was feeling. But then in verse 2031, the father said something important son you are always with me and all that I have is yours you are always with me all that I have is yours and he said it was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is now found now look at this here the father had to plead with him. And the son, which was weird, that he was telling the father, you never, you never treated me like this. You never killed anything and had a party with me. But understand what the son didn't understand that he could, all have, a, he could have had a feast anytime. He said, Whatever, I, everything I have is yours. I, you don't have to wait for me to have a party for you. You could have that anytime you wanted." He said, but this is a special occasion. Your brother was dead. He's now alive. He was lost and he's now found. So the son, the father, the oldest son is wondering, how could this father so easily accept the youngest son after all the drama he caused in the house? How could he, how could that happen? In the natural, we would think that's not fair. Now think about it. You have a sibling, now take, take off your Christianity hat for a second. Take off your Christianity hat. And there are some Christians right now who struggle with this. You knew your younger brother or your younger sister, your older brother, your older sister, when they were a terror in the house. Giving your parents hell. When I say hell, you know, you can, you can fill in the blanks you got some examples, I'm sure, and i you know I can give some examples which I won't relate, but I remember you you wonder and some of them had to leave the house because of the animosity the problems that were being caused in the house, so all of a sudden, after how many years time for reconciliation, they come back in the house and you just Receive them. Your parents just receive them so happy. Let's have a, let's throw a party. And you're there like, wait a minute. Mom, dad, how could you do that? You remember when they did this? And how much, and, and you just, just like that, just forget everything and just bring them back in the house and just hug them up like if nothing's, nothing's wrong? No, we, we never, we never think like that, right? How easy it is you just receive people. Back, right? But think just of a... Of a you're, you're a sibling. You're not a parent. The love of a parent is not the same as the love of a sibling. Quality. You understand that? There's the, Most parents, there's some crazy parents out there. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the, the one who are right in their mind. Most parents, no matter what their child has done, Won't disown their child. Because because why? They love them. What the child has done. Doesn't. Separate them. From the love of their parents. The parent. Will hate what the child has done. But the parent will always love the child. Unless you have had children. You cannot understand the love. That a parent has for a child. Can you all bear witness to that? Because the love of a parent is not the same as any other love. The love of a parent is different than the love of a husband and wife. It's different than the love between siblings. It's different than the love of the, the parents with their own siblings. It's a different kind of love we're talking about here. It's a love that the parent will be able, willing to sacrifice anything for their child. So we have to be careful not to be judgmental until you understand what that love is. So anyhow, important here, what did the father say? Your brother was dead and is alive and was lost and found. Now what the father was doing there, the father was expressing the love of God. Because our, the God our father is our he's our father. He's our parent. Our spiritual father. Our spiritual parent. And the example he was setting is not only for his son. But also for the servants. You understand that? Because he restored the son. The, the youngest son. To sonship. His, he didn't hire him as a servant. He restored him as a son. Even though he had nothing to get. He still restored him as a son. Because everything the father has belongs to the eldest now. Because the youngest, he just blew whatever he had. Anything he got now is just grace. Alright? Let's go to Luke chapter 15. Um, Let's stay there. Let's go verses 4 to 7. I want to show you something. Oh my God, this is so powerful. Verse 4, you there? This is Jesus again speaking another parable. All these parables are intertwined. Oh my God. Watch this. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Now we read this and we gloss over it. But I want you to see something. To Us in this time, or because we don't we don't raise sheep to a shepherd, a sheep are important to a shepherd, but I don't even know now if you know you have a thousand head, you miss one, would they go look for that one? I don't know nowadays, I don't know, maybe they would leave the. 999 and go look for the one. But well, this is what I want you to see here. The shepherd. With a hundred sheep. Back then your sheep was your life. That was it. Your livelihood. Okay. To us it might seem a wasted effort. If you have a hundred. You have one lost. Why go look for that one. I have a. A hundred dollars, or I have a hundred coins, one, one cent pieces, a hundred dollars. I lose a dollar. How much effort am I going to put in finding that dollar? Or if I lose a penny, how much effort am I going to put into looking for that one penny out of a dollar? Why? Why will we not put the effort into finding that one dollar or that one penny? Tick tick tick. Think about that for a second. To us it might seem a wasted effort. But to the shepherd it's not a wasted effort. He left the ninety nine in the wilderness. And I'm sure he probably made some provision because he wasn't there by himself. But he left the ninety nine to go look for the one. What does that say? It says and it shows the value the shepherd put upon the sheep. That one sheep. The value. If you read the other parables. You see the value. Even the one with the lost son. The reason why the father was willing to receive and celebrate the, the youngest son return. Because of the value of his son. The value on the sheep. He's willing to leave the 99 to get the one because it's valuable to him. The father is willing to celebrate the return of his son because his son is valuable to him. To tell you how valuable, because if you read here, what did Jesus say in verse 7? I say to you, likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Why are the angels rejoicing over one person who repents? This planet has 7 billion people. Why rejoice over one person who repents? Because of the person's value to God. Value to God. Alright, let's cut to the chase. Compassion was what the father of the lost son was explaining and showing by example to his eldest son and the servants. This also is why the shepherd was elated when he found the lost sheep. Because they have something of value that they were willing to show compassion for. Do you understand? You show compassion over something of value. People have their pet gets hurt. They don't just say, well, leave the dog or the cat or whatever, or or the turtle or whatever it is. It'll be all right. No. They go to the vet and spend tons of money to fix the animal. Why? Because of the animal's Value. 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 And the reason why you're willing to spend that money, because you're showing Compassion. You all know already know where I'm going with this, right? Okay. Those who are lost suffer. Just as the prodigal son was lost. Just as the, the lost sheep was lost. Who knows what threats that lost sheep came under. It wasn't said. Nothing was said about it. Alright. Those who are lost suffer. And God's love is always ready to relieve the lost from their suffering. Always ready. This love is readily readily available, but there must be a change of heart to be able to receive His love. God never, ever let someone stay longer in a state of suffering because you suffered enough. Because sin, (laughs) sin has torment. Sin has suffering. So you're looking for a way out. That's why you come, you repent. So why do does he need to have you suffering no longer than you have to? Why after now he receives you, he has to chastise you on top of your suffering? He's not. That's not the heart, the love of God. When you repent, you come to him. He relieves you of your suffering. Because you don't need, you've suffered already enough. Why does he need to prolong it? So when that lost brother or sister comes home and the parent receives them, it's because they don't want them to suffer anymore. They were lost, now they're found. They're now in their right mind. We can have, now we can fellowship. Now when they're here, there's no more drama in the house. So we just receive them because they've suffered. And as the parent, the parent has suffered also. Do you understand that? It's a difference. So the love of God shows how much value God places on man. That's why the angels have, are celebrating. That's why the, the word in John 3.16 John, um, 3, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God showed compassion. And as, that's why Jesus gave His life. And as soon as you say yes to Jesus, the love of God You start, you're on a journey now experiencing God's love. He receives you. That's why your sin is blotted out. It's not remembered by God anymore. The enemy brings it up. But God doesn't remember the sin. Why? Because we suffered already. We've been suffering. In darkness. But now we're in light. And He receives us. When He receives us, we're in light. You see the heart of the Father. Because God... We are precious and valuable to God. And the love of God and these, these, two, these two examples we use shows the value God places on man. We are precious and valuable to God. And, we, and our brethren must be also precious and valuable. That's why it says love remember it says the love of God? We have to love one another. Why? Put the needs of others before our own. That's the love of God. That's why he sent Jesus. We didn't deserve it. But he, put, he showed compassion. And, and put our needs before the needs of his own son. Okay, You got that? Value. In this world, life is cheap. No, seriously. In this world, life is cheap. Why? Because there are 7 billion, billion of us. Life is cheap. And we see the recklessness with which people take advantage of others. And I'm not going to go into the whole song and dance of of what it is. You you see examples everywhere. Life is cheap. But to God, that's not God's... The lens through which God looks at the people on this earth. Every soul is valuable to God. Every soul irregardless of your economic status, irregardless of race, every soul is valuable to God. Because He's the Father of our spirits, not our flesh. He doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the heart. The heart doesn't have a race. The heart doesn't have a color. Our spirits don't have color, don't have race. But you see, well, that's what happens when people walk in darkness. Life becomes cheap. God values every life, and when you get to know Him, my God, when you get to know Him, you understand your value, and you do not allow others to define who you are. But the image we must have of ourselves is the one that God has revealed to us in His Word. And who are we? We are being conformed into the image of Christ. The unique Son of God. One of a kind. The incarnate Son of God. We are precious. That's why when... Listen. When you hear people say we are precious in the, in the eyes of God. It says what? Like we are the, like the apple of His eye. Believe it. That's who we are to Him. Every soul is valuable. Every soul is valuable. And we as children of God. Must love the same way. We love our own. Different than we love others. Let's just be real. We love our own. We love our own kids. Different than we love our siblings. Different than we love our friends. Friends in the world and even our Christian friends. That's can we be real or we want we want to play games? But what does that tell us? We have to what change our thinking because God loves all the same way. There is no tears. In God's love, there is one tear, and He loves us all the same way. And that's something that I got to work on. Really, I mean, I'm not—I'm I'm not there. I still got a lot of work to do. <laughs> you know, I got a lot of work to do. But understand, don't let anyone define you. Let the Word of God, let the Holy Spirit define who you are. And I believe if a lot of people, especially a lot of Christians, will do, would do that, their witness would be so different. They wouldn't be so insecure and fearful. And their lifestyle would be a different walk. Not in arrogance, but why? In humility. Why? Because that's the heart of God. Because if we are to be like Him, as we have been transformed into the image of Christ, and we know Christ what? Humbled himself. We will be walking in humility. Which is what? Doing things what? God's way. Right? So we are children of God. We are not slaves. Our life is not cheap. A slave's life is cheap. You remember what they, what they used to do to slaves? Not, they used to kill them. They don't want kill them. A slave just did something that's not right. They kill them. Hang them. Did whatever they want with them. But to us, we are not slaves, we are sons. That's what the enemy does. Because anyone who serves him is a slave. And their life is cheap. And you see people being slaughtered, and people being taken advantage of, people being abused. All over, why? Because they are slaves to sin. But we are children of God. We are not slaves to sin. So do not allow people to shape you into their mold. This is a tactic of the enemy to deter you from your destiny. Our identity is in Christ. And no man can change that if we are secure in the love of God. What can separate us from the love of God? What? Really. What can separate us from the love of God? You can be separated from the love of God if you don't know Him. Because your measuring stick would be, a, would be different based on whatever the world is. But if you are in Christ, oh my God, that's a whole different ball game. You understand the value. The value. So when, when Paul said, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. He understands the value that the Father has placed on him in Christ. He said, listen, I was a, the main sinner. I was the chief sinner of sinners. But the, God knew me before I'm in my mother's womb. When I was, I was making havoc, of, havoc of the church. He said, "But God knew me." But then he said, then he said, when he came to his senses and wrote to Damascus, then he is testifying. What can separate us from the love of God? Tribulation, trials, pestilence, what? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So if people really understood how much they are loved and valued by God they will never turn from Him. We can't think like the world. We can't think life is cheap. When you see people killed and people slaughtered and children abused and raped and, and all these things that's hard. Every life that's affected they're being plundered. But that's because of darkness. But we as children of light, we have to set the example. We have to walk in the light. So as I said, if people really understood how much they are loved and valued by God, they will never turn from Him. The love of God is available to anyone who wants it at any time. There's not a, a, a curfew on it. There's not a, it's, between, it's from six to, to, to nine It's not from 9 to 5. It's available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. It's available to anyone who wants it. We just have to receive it.